Welcome to the Seller Growth Podcast, sharing valuable tips and information in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon personalities in the industry to help you grow your business. Here is your host, Rob Stanley. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Seller Growth Podcast. I'm Rob Stanley, Chief Marketing Officer for Acrumi, and today I've got Brandon Young. What's going on, Brandon? <laughs> Not a lot. Good to see you, man. Yeah. Gosh, I, it feels like we talk almost uh, every other day or have a message going back and forth, but uh, there's lots of people who want to ask a bunch of questions, and uh, I, I've got some to ask you also. We'll just kind of dive into this. So today we are talking about how new Amazon sellers succeed and make a profit pretty much in 2021. Things have changed. Things are different right now. So Right now, I just want to kick off a quick question. We're going to dive into a bunch of them, and anybody who's listening, feel free to uh, ask any uh, questions along the way, and we'll make sure that Brandon answers them. No limits. Put Ask anything out there. Brandon's pretty much open to answer anything if you don't know that already. So uh, we'll get things going here. With, uh, with all the people selling on Amazon, is now a good time for people to start selling on Amazon, like a new start, a new seller? Should they jump in and start selling? So... It, it's it's going to come across in a weird way because, uh, and I 100% mean it, I don't think that there's a better opportunity to start a business than e-commerce and particularly Amazon private label utilizing the FBA infrastructure. So if I expand on that, it's to give, to give people who may be considering starting the business or don't fully understand it, you have the ability to leverage one of the largest and most successful e-commerce companies in the world to help build your own business, meaning that they have hundreds and hundreds of millions of daily shoppers. They have an infrastructure of fulfillment that you can take advantage of because you can send all of your products to them. They will distribute it around the country to their warehouses. And when someone buys it, they'll stuff it in a box and send it for you. I did the math on this when I first started and realized that the economies of scale that they have and what they're charging me to have someone put it in a box and ship it for me is less than I can do it for myself. So you can essentially just leverage their business and scale without having to hire anyone else in your business. So you can be a solopreneur. You can have you be the only one working in your business and create a million dollar business easily. I've seen it done dozens and dozens of times. I know hundreds of sellers doing seven and eight figures that have driven to one, two, and $3 million with no other employees besides themselves. And it's something that it's no, there's no other opportunity like that out there, I think. And e-commerce is only getting better. Demand for shopping online is only getting better. Amazon's only getting bigger. So if you have a better idea for a business, let me know because I'll, I'll, I'll look at it as well. But to me, this is the best. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And so the reality is Brandon's seen and, and helped people launch thousands of products, get their business going, which is incredible. So because of that vast knowledge you have, Brandon, why don't you tell us, like, you've got to see that new sellers or people that are just getting started, they got to make the same mistake. There's got to be, you know, they got to be making that same mistake over and over again. What is the most common mistake you see from new sellers? So the most common mistakes that I see uh, is, honestly, they, they, they don't put in the effort to find a, a mentor that is also selling and successful. 
they fall into the trap of trying to just get a little bit of knowledge and moving forward and they're led astray. So they don't know how to do the proper keyword research and base their information on data. They don't know how to choose the right products based on data. And so when I have sellers come into my college level program to the inner circle and mastermind, I'd say about half the time they've already tried selling on Amazon themselves with very little success. And uh, they've chosen the wrong product. They didn't know how to properly launch it. They didn't understand the Amazon algorithm. They didn't understand keywords and optimization and the full breadth of what this business is. Even though you can do it yourself, like I just explained, you have to fully base it on um, data and you have to, it's like getting a degree in multiple practices for a college degree in multiple practices at once. You have logistics and statistics and uh, analytics and optimization and launches and marketing and uh, and supply chain and cash flow management and, and financials. You have to learn how to do all of those things to properly run this business. And unless you have someone that's holding your hand or at least showing you the proper steps and how Amazon works, then it's very easy to make a mistake. But the first and most important thing is at least choosing the right product. If you choose the wrong product, it doesn't really matter much, much what you do or how good you are at launching and, and marketing and understanding business. You have to choose the right product to begin with. And that's the most common mistake I see. Yeah, that, that's perfect. And so let's follow up a little bit on that, Brandon. Uh, first of all, everybody who's out there listening and watching, we are open to questions. Feel free to send us anything you want us to talk about. We appreciate all the highs out there and, and all the love. Hit that, you know, hit that like button and subscribe on YouTube. But uh, following up on that, Brandon, what would you expect if, if somebody was on your course and they're doing, they're learning about product research? How much time would you expect somebody to spend to possibly find that product? I know it could vary. They may find it right off the get-go and it's a big success, but the reality is it takes time to learn how to do the research, get a hold of the you know samples and things like that. What kind of time do you expect a new seller to spend on doing research of a product? So the majority of people coming in are working full-time, have another job or position or something else that they're doing, and they're starting this and, and that's the right way to do it. This is going to take time to actually start making money for you. And you have to have that mentality in the front. And the problem with human nature is that we want instant gratification. We want to be rewarded immediately for our actions. And this is not that type of business. So the reality is I ask people to put in a minimum of 10 hours a week into learning, researching, getting samples, and, and starting the process, because as you said, there is a time frame for that. You can spend 10 hours a week doing research. After two or three weeks, you might have 10, 15 potential products, and you might want to order five samples, um, five of those you want you want to order samples of. That takes you a couple of weeks to order take, you know, and receive. Then you're going to want to make changes, improve upon them, do the research, look at your competitors, make revisions and then get the revised product. That's another couple weeks. So now you're four weeks in uh, to six weeks in before you're even, you've even chosen a product and placed your first order. So the reality is you can expect from day zero, learning how to do this business properly uh, and, and learning what to look for, how to do the data analysis, the keyword analysis, how your competitors are getting sales, where the opportunity is. Day zero, learning all of those things, and then choosing a product can be six weeks. 
lo to launching that first product. By the time you place the order, get it shipped here, you, you could be four months down the road from the day that your product lands and you launch it. And you're not making money day, day zero or day that day it lands. You generally are digging a little bit of hole with marketing and launch expenses. So where can you expect to start making a profit? Six months, eight months down the road. But the, the goal is you put in that time every day or every week and you launch that product you start making money, but you reinvest the profits into a second product and into a third product. And so I try to temper my expectations for my students and say, hey, if you can continue to work in your career or your job that, you're, that you want to get away from for the next year, year and a half and launch, you know, five or six successful products that can make you $100 a day, Right or $150 a day in profit, now you're making $1,000 a day in profit, that's going to replace the income for almost all of all of the people coming into this business. And that's the reality of it. Most people don't make more than fifty dollars to $100,000 a year. Think about how easy it is to find a product that makes you $150 a day. That might not be enough for you to walk away or to continue to grow and snowball that business, reinvest into it. But if you do that five times, and now you're making $750 a day, you could take some off the table to pay your living expenses and work full time in this business and reinvest into additional products. And then it starts to really snowball. And that's the magic that we see when people start to take off and you go from, you know, a six figure business, which I think is easy to do. One or two SKUs can get you there to a seven uh, and multi seven figure business. Um, and you can get there within a year and a half, a uh, year, year and a half, depending on your starting budget and how much time you put into the business. But it's important to be realistic about what you're trying to achieve, when you're trying to achieve it, how much money you're going to make, setting proper goals based on re reality, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's great info. And we actually have some questions coming in. So uh, let's, uh, let's jump into a question here. Uh, let's see if I can get it up on the screen here. So... Uh, Beto, if I'm saying that correct, I'm sorry, but uh, is there a number of competitors for which you will decide not to do a product? No, the sheer number of competitors doesn't matter to me because the reality is that most people selling on Amazon are not good at Amazon. They're not good at marketing and, and ranking their products for the correct keywords. So that starts with the initial keyword analysis of understanding how good is my competitor at Amazon and the way I define that is how many potential keywords can lead to sales for a product and then how many of those keywords is my competitor ranked for? So once you start to frame the your mindset into how many keywords can lead to sales for a specific product, there might be hundreds. What are the search volumes of those keywords? And then how many keywords are my competitors really ranked for? And what is the search volume of the keywords they're ranked for? Now, those are the key questions to answer so that you can understand the true opportunity and the true risk of a product. There might be a product with hundreds of sellers, but the reality is most of them are bad at Amazon, and there might be only one or two guys that are actually good at Amazon, and it's very easy to become a top three seller of a product, and we see it on a regular basis. Most of our products that we sell have a lot of competitors, but we're just better at identifying the opportunity better at identifying those keywords and then better at ranking for those keywords than the majority of the sellers on Amazon. Yeah, that's perfect, Brandon. And uh, I know you've asked, you've been asked this question a million times because I probably asked it to you a bunch of times, but 
the reality is what for new sellers, what kind of money should they expect to start out with? What what is the kind of range? Let's give it a range because I think that's a better way to say it. What is the range of money they should start with to get going? Now, so everyone's risk tolerance is different. The more capital that you can invest into this business, the faster you're going to be able to scale the business and the, the more products that it opens the door for. You have a certain amount of cost for doing each product that's based on the product landed cost. So the cost at the factory plus the shipping to get it into Amazon. Now you might be bouncing it off of a warehouse or your own warehouse and then shipping it into Amazon when it's ready. And all of those logistics tied to it equate to like an actual hard product cost, a landed cost, we call it. And then you have how many units you're going to sell every month. So the more expensive the product, the faster moving the product, the more budget you need for that product. And those two things are the kind of the things that that that, uh, that equal that equation of what you need to balance. So if you have a product that is only $2 landed, very cheap product, very fast, easy to get here, uh, and you're only selling 10 a day, then that type of product, you if even if you order three months of inventory, 900 units or 1,000 units, that's $2,000 for landed cost plus a little bit of money on top. I, I like to budget at least 50% of my landed costs for marketing and some reserve for like that next order. So let's say that's only a $3,000 starting product. The reality is that that's, you can make a little bit of money with that product. Selling 10 times a day, you make a few dollars every time it sells, you're making $30 a day profit. You need to do that a lot of times before you can really replace your income or have a very successful business making you a lot of money. So the more money you start with, the more expensive of a product you can choose, a more a faster moving product, a product that sells more units every day, you can choose one. And so uh, it opens up the opportunity to make more profit every day as well. Um, so the reality is the range would be, I think, a minimum of three to five thousand dollars, all the way up to fifty or hundred thousand. You can do multiple products, and 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 at the end of the day. Our success rate as being very good at Amazon is still only 80%. Uh, so as to give you an idea, the more products you launch, then uh, the lower your risk, essentially, or the more that you the more success you're going to have. And I think that if you learn this business properly and you have a larger budget, you should launch more than one product to kind of diversify your risk a little bit. Yeah, so we, we had another question that just came in. So let's uh, jump right to it. So we had a Facebook user jump on and say, uh, what is the proper way to do deep keyword research and extract the best keywords, Brandon? Yeah, so we have a methodology that we call creating a master keyword list. Uh, so essentially what we're doing is uh, we're using Helium 10 as a software currently. And what we're able to do and what the software is able to do is is on a singular level, if I take a single competitor, I can look at all of the keywords that they're indexed for. So all of the keywords that Amazon thinks might be relevant for this product based on how they wrote their listing and how they've gotten sales. That might be 15,000 keywords. And the reality is 99% of those aren't relevant. They're on page 20 for most of them, right? It doesn't matter. They're not generating sales. What matters are the keywords that are actually generating sales. So what we do is we look at the top 10 sellers at the same time and we take a that aggregate, all of that data, all of the keywords that they're on, 
And then we assign uh, what we call a relevancy score. And we go through and we create a column and we count how many of those keywords are the, the sellers in the top 30 uh, to 40 positions. That gives us an idea that the more sellers that are on the first page of a keyword, the more relevant that keyword. And what you'll find is really surprising is that most of the sellers are not ranked well for most of the keywords that should be generating sales for that product. So it's a little complicated. I hope I explained it properly, but essentially what you're doing is you're going to look at the competition and you have to aggregate all of where they're getting their sales. And all of them are getting their sales from slightly different keywords, a combination of different keywords, a certain percentage of keywords. And once you aggregate that data, you're going to come up with what we call that master keyword list. And it might have 100 keywords with at least 500 search volume. And you'll find that that best seller is only on 70% of them. That next guy is only on 50% of them. That third best seller is only on 45% of them. And then that's where the magic happens. That's where you can see, hey, there's a lot of keywords, which represents a lot of opportunity, but there's a lower risk to do this product because the sellers aren't meeting the demand. They're not good at Amazon and I can do a better job. So that's how we look at keywords and data. And we, we basically pull it and extract it from the current sellers. Yeah, uh, I had another question I wanted to ask you. I'm going to rephrase this. So I was going to ask you about what, what products people should avoid, but I think you've been asked that so many times. I'm going to skip that one. Let, let's ask this, Brandon. There's got to be a few products that new sellers just keep bumping into and you're just like, don't go down that road. So instead of asking the big list of things they should avoid, give us a couple of examples of, uh, you know, some sellers that have come to you and you're just like, oh man, why did everybody keep running across that same product and stop already? Come on, let's have fun with it. Well, so the pro the problem becomes when you have certain gurus out there that aren't sellers themselves, and then they have a formula for how their students should find products. And if all of their students, and they might be very good at marketing, so they have a lot of students, right? Like, uh, unfortunately, I don't do a lot of marketing, um, and and most of my students just come from interviews and podcasts and things. But the um, the the problem is if you have ten thousand students following the very simple A B C D of how to find a product and it has to meet a certain ABC criteria, you're gonna narrow the, the number of products that they consider a good opportunity. And what you'll find is that these gurus or these software programs keep giving you the same products over and over, and you'll see a lot of those students will end up doing the same product. So the, I, haven't, I haven't followed up lately. Just avoid lists of, of products that are put out, like top 20 products to sell in 2021. Don't do any of those. Those are products to avoid now because you have 10,000 people that read that and probably a couple hundred that are going to act on it and it's going to get saturated very quickly. I remember last year, the beginning of last year, the products that I keep that I kept seeing from people that were failing in launches because they had started listening to those guys was like a scratch off map. Uh, the the, uh, the exercise bands. Um, let me see. What other products were there? Um cell phone cases, wireless accessories, uh, you know, things like that. So those are the types of products that you just see keep coming up and up and up based on those other methodologies that students follow because it's just, they lead you down a certain path and everyone finds it. All right. So we had another question come in, Brandon, and it's sort of in line. And I think you may have covered it a little bit, but let's go for it. Uh, what are some factors for which to avoid selling a product? I think that's a good question. Yeah. So 
we avoid selling a product if there aren't a lot of keywords that generate sales for the product. So we call that an opportunity score. If there are only eight or 10 keywords with at least 500 search volume uh, that generate sales for a specific product, uh, then that's a product that's going to be very easy for people to come in that aren't good at Amazon, aren't good at doing the research that we know how to do well. It's going to be very easy for people to come in and kind of duplicate anyway, even if they're bad at Amazon. You're, they're still going to be able to guess those keywords or find them in one way or another and compete with you on those keywords. So you don't have much of an advantage. So what that leads to is um, the competition is better because they don't have to be good to be competitive. And uh, the people are going to end up racing to the bottom. So you have a lower or shorter life cycle for that product. The profitability is going to be driven down on that product faster as people panic or get out or try to compete on something other than, you know, the content and, and quality of listing. They're going to be competing on price. So I think that that's a product that you're going to avoid right away. The other thing is like when you have a lot of sellers, when you do that master keyword list and you see that the top five or six sellers are on the majority of keywords that lead to sales, most of them are good at Amazon. We avoid that product because there's no need to compete with a bunch of good sellers because there's millions of products where most of the sellers are bad. So why would we purposely walk into a, a very competitive niche when there's no need to? We can just do a different product. So constantly doing research and building up a master keyword list, analyzing products and understanding what the true opportunity is and what the true uh, risk of doing a product based on how good the competition is, that leads us to an, uh, what, what products we should and shouldn't do. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, real, just real quick, uh, stay on. We got tons more questions. Uh, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe button. We actually had another question just come in, Brandon. Uh, I'll put it up on the screen, but I'll try to summarize it for you. It's kind of long. Uh, basically, they're asking, so if they start with 3000 by selecting a lower cost, lower velocity product and expecting and expecting slower growth ROI. So I think what they're trying to say is, you know, if they're starting with 3000, is that what they can be expecting? Yeah. If you start with Thanks less the money, question. there's, yeah, yeah, starting with less money, you have less potential for growth and, and profit, right? So if your profit margin is 20 to 30% after all is said and done, and you only can generate X amount of sales with your beginning budget and how much your product costs you, then just naturally you're going to make less money from every sale and from the aggregate of those sales every month. So the more money you can start with, the higher profit potential, the higher the higher potential you have to start reinvesting and grow the business, the faster you can grow the business. So those are the that's the the main limiting factor with starting with less less capital for sure. Yeah. So just to follow that up a little bit more, at what point do you cut your losses? Like at, at where do you say, "Hey, this is it. I need to and I'm not talking to get out completely, but you know, it's time to switch to another product or start doing the research over again. I tell you, that was probably the biggest lesson that we had to learn ourselves after the first couple of years of doing this business. We were very stubborn, my wife and I, mostly me probably, but very, very stubborn in the fact that we would chase, you know, good money after bad. We would take a product that cost us only a few dollars to land and we would invest a, a double that cost in trying to relaunch it, save it, 
when if we had just taken the product and destroyed it, it would have saved us 50, 75, $100,000 in added costs that we tried to save the product. And this is before we really knew how to analyze the product and the opportunity. And what we kept doing is just uh, is is really just trying to launch a product that wasn't converting. It, it didn't have the right uh, content or conversion and click-through rate. People just didn't like the design or we didn't understand how to, uh, how to do the keyword analysis and optimize the listing and launch it. So the first year or two that we were really developing our strategies, we didn't understand why we weren't successful and we felt we should be and we, we kept trying to, to, to chase and, and relaunch products rather than just abandoning. So where we see now and what our strategy is now, we're very good at optimizing the listing for the number of keywords on our master keyword list. We break those down into roots. We understand how one keyword can impact dozens or, or hundreds of keywords based on the match type and the root of what we call it. So we can rank keywords very effectively. Top 10 for our targets within three to five days, very consistently. The reality though, is that the product needs to stay there based on its merits. It needs to stay there based on what Amazon consider, like what their algorithm considers for ranking, which is click-through rate, conversion rate, revenue, and relevancy. Now, if your product, if you're running PPC and your click-through rate isn't good, your conversion rate isn't good, that's a huge indicator that your offer is not as good as your competition, that there's something wrong with your offer. It could be your content, the way you're presenting your product, could be your reviews, it could be your price. But something needs to change and you need to fix it. And so um, what we what we learn right away is that if we feel our content is great, if we feel that we've done and we're competing on price and we're still not getting that click-through rate and conversion rate, then the offer that we have is not good enough to continue, that there's something wrong. And so what we'll do is we'll sell through that product probably slower than we anticipated, but we'll still get through it hopefully not at a loss for the most part, usually not at a loss because we slow it down and just organically blow it out. And, uh, and we move on from that product. And then we go back to the drawing board and we say, well, what was the opportunity that we saw in this, in this product in the first place? What keywords did we like? Maybe we need to change the design. Why is this competitor doing well? And why didn't we do well? And then we start to test whether it's new designs or new products, or maybe the opportunity changed from the time we found it to the time we launched it. And we need to analyze that. So the most important thing is that you go back and you learn from the mistake or you learn from the failure so that you don't make the same mistake again, or you can iterate and change and improve, but don't keep throwing bad money or good money after bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. And we had a question come in. I'm not going to put it on the screen. It's really long, but, uh, they basically were talking about having success in selling like me too products, right? Common products that a lot of people are selling, but with zero differentiation and maybe the top 10 sellers are really awful at keyword analytics and ranking. I'm going to answer that. I've done that. I mean, there's been times I've come in and I've seen that there's just people failing. And it's like, and you can't say it's zero difference because a lot of times what happens is their images are not that great, or maybe they don't have a video with it or their descriptions are terrible. So it's kind of hard to say that you're actually beating them, you know, uh, apples to apples, because usually there is something there that, you know, is different. And do I recommend it? Heck no, that is not the way to go. That is definitely not the way to go. 
if you're going to go into that sort of me too space, you're going to have to have something that's different, a different feature, a different, uh, you know, something that makes it different that it'll make it stand out. So there, I answered it for you, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I so, think I think the biggest yeah. key there is that, like you you touched on it, is that your offer needs to be better than your competition. Now, offer can be identified as price, content, uh, and 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 just the quality of your product, or um, the having an additional feature, like you said, right? So, how do you beat products that are in a me too category? If we do the master keyword list and we see that everyone is bad at Amazon, we'll probably still do that same product, but we're going to have a great looking image. We're going to have like great content and a good price on it. And we're going to come in and just rank wider, faster for more keywords than our competition and very quickly establish that product in a barrier, like in, in a product that seems to have a barrier because most of the people selling it just can't find the keywords, can't rank for them and, and stuff like that. So me too products aren't necessarily bad if they have a lot of keywords and the majority of the current sellers are bad, but um, always make sure your offer is, is there that you have uh, that you're offering a better uh, images, better content and better price than your competition. Most of the time price. Yeah, so another one came up, uh, and I'm just throwing it up on the screen here. But basically, what they're asking is, when they go to do their first order, having the logo on their product, or should they have the logo on the product, have the logo on their uh, boxes? Uh, I mean, I I know how I'd answer that, but what what do you say to that, Brandon? Yeah, I I always go in fully branded. Now, it might be a product that just comes in a poly bag. That's fine. A lot of products are like that. Our key is to always make our packaging as efficient as possible. We build huge amounts of uh, advantage into our um, you know, product by making the, the packaging more efficient, making the product more efficient. There are certain weights and certain dimensions that if you're just slightly under, you can have anywhere from $1.50 to a $5, $10 advantage over your competition. And we've seen that. We do it on a regular basis where we go into the, the factory or the showroom and we sit down with the factory and we say, we need you to change this by an inch. And that inch can save us $5 over the competition. We can sell it, therefore, for $3 cheaper and still make $2 more than our competition. So things like that, I think... Um, are, are important to keep in mind that branding, customization, optimization of your packaging, all should be done from day zero. I think when you launch a product, you should be you should let the data make the decision to do the product, and then make a firm decision you're going to do that product. Don't don't do this testing thing with half-assing content and 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 optimization. You need to do everything from the beginning. I think. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And uh, keep the questions coming. There is some more we'll be asking. I, I throw a couple questions in also. So, Brandon, it always seems like when people selling on Amazon are trying to race to the bottom, okay? And a lot of times racing to the bottom also means that they sacrifice on quality. Uh, speak about people that go in and they're, they're too focused on that low dollar amount, low quality, get it up there and, hey, I'm going to beat you and I'm going to have a better price on Amazon. I should sell a ton of them, but really you're sacrificing quality. Yeah, that's a really short-sighted approach. You need to think about, even though you need to have a better offer than your competition, and a lot of times that's price, it, it should never be at the sacrifice of quality. 
because your reviews will kill a product. If you have poor reviews and your reviews are lower than your competition, then it leads to those factors that I talked about will kill your ranking, which are click-through rate and conversion rate. You're going to get less clicks. You're going to get less conversion. And therefore, your, your organic ranks on those keywords are going to slide. Therefore, your organic sales are going to slide. And next thing you know, you don't have a profitable product anymore. So it's okay to come in with the mindset that I want to create an advantage and be competitive on price, but you shouldn't sacrifice quality uh, for that. Yeah, well said. Let me uh, pull up the question real quick. Uh, somebody was asking about uh, best ranking technique to uh, to use or you use. Yeah, ranking is just understanding the algorithm. And so we, we approach ranking with a scalpel uh, and make sure that we know exactly what levers to pull. Uh, there's some secret sauce there that I don't necessarily want to share open open here in a public forum, but it's just, like I said, just understand the four things Amazon looks for. It's the click-through rate, the conversion rate, the revenue, and the relevancy. When we first launch, we're establishing relevancy with certain types of PPC campaigns, with um, product targeting ads, with exact campaigns, and we're doing everything we can, the way that we optimize and write our listing to make sure Amazon knows exactly what we're selling and we're establishing the product to be able to rank for all of the potential keywords that we were able to find in our analysis. Other than that, like you have to understand what Amazon looks for in particular ratios for ranking. And, and there's a lot of strategies that people know and are out there with like search find buy and driving outside traffic. And we do a lot of that stuff. But the key is that you have to know at what ratios and exactly how many so that you can be precise with it. A lot of people might throw 100 products away at ranking when you really only needed 10. It was just the right way to do it. Um, and like I said, some of that secret sauce stuff that we keep for the inner circle, but um, I think that, that that'll give you enough of a head start. Yeah, so let's dive a little bit into uh, dealing with negative reviews in 2021. Things have changed. I mean, last time I had you on was probably well over a year ago and things were quite a bit different then. But, uh, you know, how should people deal with, uh, you know, getting negative reviews? And if I if I understood correctly and, I'm, you know, I try to keep up with everything, but every sometimes they get over my head and I know you're in a little bit more on some of this. But I think I saw something about possibly not being able to reply to reviews coming up. Uh, do you touch on that a little bit? I think as of this week, they brought it back. <laughs> ah. So I guess the noise from us sellers, it was annoying enough that people don't see the reply anyway on the, like uh, with the comment, like they had to click into the review, which no one ever does, right? There's a, there's an actual link to isolate the review. And then there you would see the replies. No one does that. They read all of the reviews on the, the main page and then they don't even see that there's a comment on it. So um, it was already not effective. So I think that where we're at now is <laughs> reviews are going to come in regardless and you just need to control the quality of your product and your offer so that you can try to drive as much as many positive reviews as possible. So we're doing things like hitting the uh, request review button, proper insert cards so that we can drive uh, people to landing pages with... Um, you know, to engage them and ask them for a review. Uh, 
be careful not to incentivize them for that review because that's against terms of service. But the more that you can engage your audience and build up a list in an audience so that you can retarget them for new launches and re-engage them and you, you grow fans of your brand, fans of your brand are more likely to leave reviews. So we try to do a branded approach where we're growing um, an audience and a brand and, and really um, have lifelong values from those 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 fans, right? And then that'll help you with your reviews as well. Yeah, you definitely want to grow out that base of people and and offering. I think mean, you've kind of hit all the the big topics, right? Quality. You want to have a quality product. You want to be able to provide good service. Uh, insert cards. There's so many questions about insert cards, and I think you hit it just right. There's well, so and so big corporation is uh, putting an insert card. It tells me to leave a review, you know, and it's like great, you know, they'll get it'll catch up to them eventually. Yeah. You know, follow the rules early because why would you risk thousands, if not millions, of dollars of your company sales, you know, uh, on a, a card on one little thing because you said, hey, Joe Schmo's doing it. Well, Joe jumps off a bridge. I'm not jumping with. So, you know, be be careful on that stuff. So. Uh, more questions are coming in and keep them coming. We really do appreciate it. And uh, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button. Uh, Brandon, let's let's touch a little bit on your background. So a little more and, and feel free to jump in people. If there's questions, we'll jump back into more uh, selling questions. But how many hours are you putting in a day to run your business? And, and I, I'm going to keep this two part, run your Amazon side of the business and then run the seller system side of the business. And when do you sleep, man? <laughs> Come on. So I'm fortunate enough that um, you know we have we have an amazing team, and my wife really heads and spearheads um, the majority of our business now. So she's able to uh, grow our team, put into place processes. We have a huge team in China. Uh, we do a lot of our product development there. We do a lot of our maintenance, product maintenance, product optimization there. I do some training, I do some launches still on this end, I do marketing and I do some product discovery, uh, content, like as far as written content. And then we have our, our actual uh, photographer and videographer in-house as well. So it depends what time of year, how many products we're launching. Um, I do split up my time, but it's, it's, it's nice to be able to just be able to work you know, on the business rather than in it and uh, continue to grow it. Um, I like to dedicate, uh, more of my time towards the other projects we're working on, which is the growth of an incubator, uh, brand management, um, the coaching and seller systems and giving my students a lot of time, the weekly, the, the multiple weekly calls we do. Uh, that's where I enjoy most of, uh, spending most of my time these days. And then supporting my team with even internal trainings or trainings for, for other large PE firms and management firms and things. So, um, yeah, my time is pretty uh, pretty spread out, as you said, and we got a lot of things going on. But um, I'm lucky enough to have scaled to a point where the majority of the day to day is handled by uh, a very good team. Yeah, I don't think people even understand the amount of time it takes me to get Brandon on the podcast. I, I've been bugging you probably for at least a month maybe a little bit more, you know, and it's just a quick reminder. Hey, Brandon, I want to get you on. Hey, Brandon, I want to get you. Uh, then I'll start texting him. Hey, Brandon, I want to get you on. I, I'm sure I, I annoy him at some point, but uh, never, never but, annoying. I, I need, I need uh, a little push. I appreciate it. 
I appreciate that too. And usually that's what Brandon says, hit me up in a, another week and remind me. So keep the questions coming. I see them coming in. That's great. I, I, I have a couple of questions for you regarding teams, right? At, at what point is a good time to start looking at building a team and expanding a team and maybe getting a VA and do people sometimes do it too early? And, you know, I, I also want to mention that how nice is it when I say team, your, your wife's part of the team or as an owner, part of the team. I had that too. And that was absolutely amazing. I mean, my wife was absolutely awesome, uh, you know, doing all the accounting because I didn't want to do that part, you know, just let me deal with running the business. But, uh, you know, what point should people look at expanding their team? Yeah, I think absolutely uh, people grow their team too early. Um, they spend too much on overhead too early. They 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 put into place large infrastructure and costs too early and they stifle the growth of their company. The more you can do yourself um, for the longer period of time, the more money you're going to end up being able to make and the more you can reinvest into the company. And we see it on a regular basis where a company is making money, but their overhead either exceeds or, or is close to their, their profit. And the company will never grow because you can't invest more capital into it. You have to borrow to then or, or then reinvest more money in order to grow the business. So um, I think realistically, if you can, you can hire a VA, and I'm not talking about VAs, you can hire a VA to take away some of the automated processes like customer service. Um, you might be able to hire a firm to manage your pay-per-click if that's something you hate doing. But I think even with only a few SKUs, it's something you should learn to do yourself. And you should definitely learn to do it correctly in yourself so that you can make sure that the firm doing it is good. Because 90% of the firms out there are just not good at PPC management anyway. They're just going to overcharge you and, and your costs are going to be out of control. And they're not going to understand how it truly impacts your organic ranks and take that into consideration. There's a lot more to PPC than most people think. So uh, I, I recommend learning that yourself. You can realistically grow to one to $3 million in revenue with you know, 10 to 20 SKUs yourself. Um, to give you an idea, like I have a salesperson in charge of 20 SKUs. Now I have you know many salespeople that are in charge of SKUs, but they can, one person can manage 20 to 30 SKUs themselves. That's maintenance, optimization, content uh, testing, reporting, um, the all the reporting I need, the bookkeeping basically where they're they're coming through and giving me my weekly reports on on what they've done and the impacts, the click-through rate, conversion rates, profitability of a SKU. Um, you know, all of those things, the keyword research, they can maintain themselves 20 to 30 SKUs per person. There's no reason you can't do the same, right? Like you just have to learn the right the right processes. And now a lot of people they don't want to put in the work. They're busy with the, doing other things. Now that's one full-time person. And I can understand that when you're first starting this business, you have a full-time job and you only have 10 to 20 hours. The time you get home and you feed your, you know, if you have kids or you, you feed yourself or your kids and you put them to bed and, and it's 8, 30, 9 o'clock until 2 a.m. every single day. And you get up and you start again at 7 a.m. and you sleep for five hours and you do that every single day. Yeah, that's, that's hard. That's hard. And a lot of people don't want to put that extra work in and, and dedicate themselves to building up the business. And they give up because they'd rather turn on Netflix. They'd rather watch the latest episode of Cobra Kai, which, you know, is awesome. Yeah. What's wrong with like, that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but the reality is uh, if you want to succeed in this business, that 20 hour a week job should be yours. 
It shouldn't be outsourced. It shouldn't be hired. It shouldn't be somebody else. And it definitely shouldn't be outsourced until you you know it and you know it well, because you never know the, how good of a job someone else is doing. And you don't even know what processes to put in place because you don't know it. And so you become worse at hiring. You become worse at managing and you and you waste money and you don't even know it. Right. So become proficient in every aspect of this business, product research, sourcing, logistics, uh, optimization, content creation, content optimization, uh, PPC, uh, marketing, launches, like finances uh, or finances, your um, your financials and your and your tracking, right? Become proficient in all of that before you decide to outsource anything. Dedicate the first six to 12 months of building this business up yourself. Then start to replace yourself where you can. And then you'll you'll understand that you've you've done the business a service because you, you're able to reinvest most of the money back into it. So yeah, people definitely hire too soon. They hire without knowing what they're doing properly. They and they don't even know that they're not getting it. They don't know what they don't know, right? So know learn what you can know and then hire and uh and and dedicate as much time as you can. Eventually, you'll be able to work in this business full time. It's paying you enough to like work, walk away. I just did a great interview with one of my students who went from zero to targeting seven uh, seven figures in profit this year, a million dollars in profit this year, in wow. under two years. And she she's phenomenal, but she just quit her job, and her husband is now working in the job full time, and she's maybe eighteen months into the business. And the reality is that the the decision factor for her and the reason that it came to that was because every day she would go to work she was making less money there than she was in her business and being at her job was costing her money from working on her business and she could make more a lot more money if she had concentrated and her effort was spent on her job so when your job starts costing you money to go to that's when you walk away from your job and so you have the opportunity to grow, scale, and, and build your business. Don't hire too soon. Yeah, a lot, lot of questions coming in, Brandon, but I'm going to call you out, and I know you're not afraid to answer, and, and nobody take this personally, but you were talking about PPC companies, okay? Give us a few names, Brandon. And, and it's not that people shouldn't go out and do the research, and it's not that, they sh that, that there's not other great ones out there. If you were to use a PPC company or two or three or try a few, who would you recommend? You know, I want to I want to like there's a couple of friends of mine that are that I know are good. Like uh, Danny McMillan has a firm. I mean, I think that he specializes in larger companies. Um, people, you know, he doesn't take on people just starting out. Learon Hirschkorn um, is, is you know, doing a good job for his clients. Uh, the feedback I get from his clients are good. So. There's a couple there. I I want to avoid uh, going in on a, on anyone. I've I've you know I'm I'm, no, trying. No, I'm not asking for the bad ones. And, and the yeah. reality is, if you just listen to what Brandon said, he said that you should learn it yourself. Okay, so that's what I'm getting at. But you know, people always are more than happy, and you know I do it too, right? I'm always out there, and we got to be careful who we recommend, who we don't, things like that. But I'm just like, hey, let's start stepping up. Let's just start calling out. And it's not that there aren't others out there that are great. Don't get me wrong. Leron's going to be on in a few weeks. I mean, I've got him on. We're going to definitely have a good time talking about things. So, uh, you know, not to put you on the spot, I know, but I know Brandon doesn't hold back. He has never held back on anything I've ever seen online. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on that, man. That's a character flaw. That's a character flaw. Not holding back as a character. I need to work <laughs> on that, right? So, 
if you want to learn it yourself, I mean, I have a, a six hour PPC masterclass, right? And uh, I, I think you've watched it. Um, it's six hours in depth, goes through our launch SOP, every type of campaign, how we set it up, and then how we optimize and why we're doing everything we're doing and the, you know, the greater purpose. And I think that when you relate PPC to the, to the profitability of your business, and the long-term health of your business, that's the right approach. A lot of people just worry about just ACoS, right? Your, your, your ACoS. And if you're only focused on your ACoS, then you're 100% not focused in the right place. So, I mean, anyone watching, um, you can use code BYSpecial. Uh, it'll give you $150 off. It'll cost you $150. And it's seller-systems.com slash PPC masterclass. Um, spend six hours and watch that class. You'll have a very, very different understanding of PPC after you're done watching it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good one. So there, there is more questions coming in. This one's talking about bundling. And, and I think that's so, I mean, personally, bundling is so underused. Like, why aren't more people bundling? I mean, when I was, sell, I, I've ne always said out there, everybody knows I did Amazon, or, uh, iPhone sales. I sold parts for iPhone sales. Man, we would bundle all the time. I'd sell a screen. I'd throw a screen protector, throw a toolkit in there. But then I would sell them all separately also. Man, we made so much better money on the bundling. The profit margins were better. Why aren't more people bundling, Brandon? Or are they? And I'm just, maybe I'm not seeing it. But when I get on Amazon, I don't see a lot of bundles. It is extremely underutilized as a strategy. I think it's super effective doing a two pack when your competitor does a one pack doing a six pack when your competitor does a four pack adding an accessory um you know there's a whole nother niche that people do that is super profitable where you actually bundle a known brand with a private label product and now you're creating your own listing and you're piggybacking off that known brand's keyword research and, and traction and, and name recognition. And the conversion rate is just going to be so much better because you have that other product. So there's a hybrid between wholesale and private label. That is a huge opportunity for people that most people don't look at. Um, and then just always understanding the keywords, the roots, what people truly want frequently bought together is a great resource. Like if you go to a product page, see what people buy together and then putting it together understanding whether someone's going to want a slightly more quantity if you can get to a better price point like maybe they sell one for 9.99 you can sell two for 14.99 and your profitability is going to be much better because you've only paid the fulfillment fees in uh, one time right so you have to do the math work out the financials on everything and look at all these other opportunities i i agree with you 100% that it's way underutilized as a general strategy um, and that's fine. It's more opportunity for people that, that learn to look at it. Absolutely. So we're going to, we're going to probably wrap this up in the next few minutes. So any last questions that want to get in, please jump in and ask them, uh, Brandon real quick, because I want to make sure we get a plug out there is, is my coupon code still good. Could I put up my coupon code? Is that still? Yeah, good? absolutely. And if Let's it is, it I'll make sure it is. <laughs> All right. So if you want to get 500 off, uh, $500 off Brandon Young's full course, okay? Be sure to use ROB500, R-O-B-500, ROB500. Should still be valid because I've, I've put it up quite a few times. So I want to make sure I get that out there before we end up wrapping up. But uh, I know we still got a few more questions coming in. And uh, thanks for everybody who's uh, kind of hung in there with us. 
we are diving pretty deep in here. And if there's any other questions that uh, you want to go deeper on, let us know. Am I missing something, Brandon? Let's ask that. How many people ask you a question like, you get on all these podcasts, you get asked a lot of questions. Did I miss something that you want to share? Like, share something with us. You know, I think that uh, 2021 is just going to be such a game-changing year for so many people. There are there are a lot of challenges uh, with regards to how you're going to manage your uh, your inventory, how you're going to manage your launches, because you have you have you have inventory limits that Amazon is imposing on new SKUs. If you're not efficient and you don't know how to properly navigate those things and you're not choosing the right products, doing the right research, it's going to be a massive failure for most people getting into the business. And I think that that's going to be um, it's going to be harder. But I think harder represents more opportunity for the people willing to work harder. The people that are willing to learn and navigate that and overcome that, it's going to represent the best opportunity to create a business that there is. And, and it, you're going to be able to set yourself free and, and, and achieve whatever that freedom means for you, whatever your goals are. If you just want to make an extra $5,000 a month to pay off your mortgage and, and have extra expenses, or if you want to make $10,000 or $20,000 a month so you can work from literally anywhere while doing this business because you're never touching the inventory yourself, you're sending it from your supplier to a, a third-party warehouse or Amazon, and you can work from Bali, you can work from South America, from Costa Rica, from, from your home or Florida or wherever it is. This is the type of business that you can get into to, to achieve those things. You can have better, like even high, bigger ambitions like we do, which is, you know, scale into 20, 30 million dollars in revenue and exit and for the company and sell it for 50 million dollars, right? So all of those things are possible and it really just depends on you. And if you're willing to learn this business from the ground up and learn every aspect and learn how to look at the data and the analysis and do it properly, uh, it, it, there's no better opportunity. Amazon is just going to keep growing. E-commerce is here to stay. All the pandemic did was accelerate that growth. And, um, you know, I, I just want to convey the opportunity because I want to see as many people achieve that success, that freedom as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and real quick, full disclosure, the Rob 500, I'm not getting an affiliate. Brandon's not paying me a dime. In fact, what was it? Four weeks ago, I paid for the course. Correct, Brandon? Yeah, yeah. I paid for the course. So anybody who thinks I'm getting things for free, try again. I paid for the course. I am in an inner circle. Come on and hit me up in there. Brandon, I really appreciate you coming on the Seller Growth Podcast. And it's been just awesome having you on. And uh, any last words you want to jump in, uh, make sure, uh, was it seller-systems.com? Uh, head over there, Rob500 to get $500 off the course. Uh, if I miss something, go ahead. Uh, inner Circle, tell them about the Inner Circle just to make sure. Yeah, so um, essentially we have some masterclasses up. Uh, you can uh, watch a four-hour masterclass on our detailed uh, research strategy. So how we look at the data, how we choose products, how we source it. I go through live examples. That includes an optimization of how we create that master keyword list and then build a listing. That's 200 bucks. I mean, I can give you a code for that. Same code for the PPC will work for that one as well. Um, and then we have that PPC six hour class. And then we have what Rob was referring to, which is the inner circle. That is a college level course and mastermind. You get content that is every aspect of this business that we talked about from 
finding the product all the way through to launching it and brand building and uh, and off Amazon marketing, Facebook ads and chatbots and and building up a list and and launching the product. And uh, it includes a year in our private mastermind group where we have over 900 students um, ranging. We have uh, from from brand new all the way up to eight figure sellers. We have over 157 and eight figure sellers in the group. And uh, you spend a year in there. It's super active. We teach an abundance mentality. Like there's, we're not competition in this, even though we kind of are. That the reality is that we can be selling the same category of goods and have hundreds of SKUs each. The overlap will be minimal because there's so many thousands and millions of products that represent good opportunities to sell on Amazon. It's only growing. The demand, the total demand, the total demand is just growing so much that there's room for all of us. You can be the first bestseller and I'll be the second. We're both going to be very wealthy and very happy. So we teach an abundance mentality. We're in there helping each other. And every single week I'm live just like this, spending hours answering questions for students and making sure that you guys understand uh, exactly how to do and execute on your business. And so that's the inner circle um, college level course and mastermind. Uh, comes with the weekly calls and the, a year in that in that mastermind, and that's what Rob was referring to. Uh, to save five hundred dollars, use Rob five hundred. Um, that is seller systems dot com slash inner circle. Yep. And we have one last question. I'm going to throw this one last question up. Uh, not the one that's up right now, but uh, we did have somebody. I promised I would ask this: Is the two hundred inventory limit only on the first order sent to Amazon for first time sellers? I forgot to ask that to you. It's not so it's not for first time sellers. It could be a, like we're eight figure sellers and we have that limit on every new new SKU basically. So it's very frustrating. The way that they determine whether to raise that limit is 100% based on the performance of that, the sell through rate of that product. So if you sell through that 200 fairly quickly, then they're going to update usually on a Monday, the next Monday or the following Monday. Uh, it could be one to two weeks later, they're going to increase your limit so that the next order you send in, you can send 700, 500, 1200 units. And then so you have to trickle the units in as quickly as possible. And that that 200 cap is just what your maximum can be. So once you sell 100, you can send another 100 and you want to get it there and check it in quickly. So navigating that is kind of like what we're what we're developing processes for so that we can be efficient with our launches and be better at it than the other people that are facing the same challenges. Absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Seller Growth Podcast. Next week, I have a special guest, Stephen Black. Guy is awesome, let me tell you. Marketing guru and the things he does that aren't even related to marketing are amazing. Uh, think dancing, and we'll bring that up next week on Tuesday, every <laughs> Tuesday at 10 o'clock uh, Pacific Standard Time. What was that? Uh, 12, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Be sure to join in on the uh, Seller Growth Podcast. Uh, Brandon, thanks again for being on the Seller Growth Podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Seller Growth Podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor, AccruMe. If you are an Amazon seller looking for funding, be sure to visit AccruMe.com and fill out the three-minute instant funding form. Join us next week for more great tips to help you grow your business.